Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Growing Pains podcast brought to you by Honey Kids Asia. This podcast will delve into the deeper challenges of modern parenting and provide a safe space for parents to unravel and detangle the messy and sometimes scary world of modern parenting. My name is Ange. I'm an Aussie expat who has called Singapore home for the last eight years and counting. I'm a mum to two boys, Xavier, who is 10, and Marcel, who is eight. In this episode of the Growing Pains podcast, we're going to talk to Marissa Nozushong about how she has gone from MTV VJ to beauty entrepreneur, mumpreneur and conscious parent, as well as discuss that burning question we all have, which is, can mums have it all? Hello, Marissa. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. So to start us off, it would be great for you to introduce yourself to our wonderful listeners. Hello, everyone. My name is Marissa Nasution. I'm originally from Indonesia, half German, half Indonesian, but I've been living now in Singapore for four years. I am married. I have two daughters. They are two and four called Olivia and Alaya. And I'm a former television host. Now I'm a professional speaker, coach, and I have a degree in organizational psychology. Oh my goodness, that's (laughs) very, very varied in terms of uh, what you've been working on and your career. Tell me, why did you switch to being a professional speaker and coach? I felt it was a natural progression when... I used to live in Indonesia. I was working as a television host, but I moved to Singapore in 2018. And then suddenly, as we know, the pandemic hit. Yes. So so with me not being able to travel to Indonesia... um, I felt that this whole career part of me, like my MC and speaking persona, I could not host anymore. I could mm. not fly in for like work projects. So that suddenly was a huge void. And after just rethinking what I wanted to do with my life, I felt in a way the pandemic did me a favor because it truly made me think and consider where I wanted to go. What did I want to do for the next 10, 20, 30 years? And um, I came to the conclusion that there are certain things that I wanted to pursue. And therefore, it was a natural progression in my speaking career, I would say. (laughs) And what role do you think that parenting has had in influencing your career choices and sparking your career change? I think parenting is in general developing us into like a different figure. Like what I mean with that is when you suddenly as a woman give birth to your child, you suddenly become a mother. You suddenly rethink all your priorities in life. You suddenly create your schedule around this little human being that you have. And as time goes on, you suddenly also realize that things that you thought were important to you back then, before the child arrives, suddenly are not important anymore. And suddenly things that were not important before are very important in your life. So I feel parenting for me or like me growing into becoming a parent has given me the opportunity to reevaluate my priorities, my values and my purpose in life. And maybe tell us a little more about this concept of conscious parenting. 
So I'm a huge conscious parenting advocate. I felt it was something that resonated a lot with me. In short, like in a nutshell, conscious parenting is basically a modern day philosophy of parenting where we focus on raising the parent first instead of fixing the children. So conscious parenting is where we truly re revisit our own childhood first, see what kind of parenting patterns we have experienced in our own childhood and try to break free from like old transgenerational toxic parenting patterns that have been like basically like brought on from one generation to another. So for us to make our own decisions instead of being stuck with like old traditional parenting patterns that don't serve our generation anymore. Mm. So I guess that there's this expectation sometimes, particularly in Asia, around what your child is going to be or who they're going to be in terms of their career. You know, doctor, lawyer, dentist, maybe engineer yep. is on the list. And um, so conscious parenting is removing that and saying that it's the child that's choosing in terms of their career as well as the way in which they want to follow their or pursue their interests, right? That's right. So basically, if we look at us as parents, we have certain wishes and desires for our children. Yes. And then let's look at these desires and wishes. What is it that we actually want for our children? Some of them, like you said, in Asia, they do it like specifically for like success. I want my children to be successful in life. What does that mean? You need to be a lawyer. You need to earn a lot of money. You need to be a doctor. But what if the child wants to be a dancer? Then mm. it feels like it's disappointing the parent because at the end of the day, the child is trying to fulfill the parent's unfulfilled wishes instead of their own. So conscious parenting basically focuses on the children being able to develop their inner self. Children in general are very much in tune with who they act, who they are already. Yes. They, yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, every child has their own blossoming personality and as also a mother of like more than one child, you also see that all children have different personalities, although they come from the same family, technically from the same DNA, but every child has their own traits, their own path in that sense. And it's for us as parents to guide them in their path, to be there for them, to be their spirit guide in that sense, instead of forcing them on a path that we wish for them to be on. So in a way, it's for them to be able to fulfill their own inner self and their own dreams instead of fulfilling our dreams as parents. Which can sometimes be difficult, right? Because particularly is. if they're really good at something that they don't enjoy. Exactly. So in terms of conscious parenting, if, for instance, my child was an amazing swimmer, mm -hmm. was doing so well at swimming and the coach was like, let's put them in competitions. Yeah. And they're like, mummy, I don't want to do that. Yeah. As a conscious parent, you would accept that the child, it's not something they want to pursue, yeah? Technically, I would say yes. Because at the end of the day, if you also look at children growing up in their teenage years. So basically in this like in this developmental stage when they're like teenagers, they're trying to find their footing in the world. And if they're forced to do something or be something that goes against what they feel, they feel that they're not in the right place. 
So they feel, why am I not seen? Why am I not heard? Why is my opinion not valid? Why am I forced to be something that I don't want to be? And they will carry this burden into young adulthood and then even like into their adult life, mm. which then can in turn basically like build this trauma of, I'm a people pleaser, I my voice is not heard, I am not confident in myself. So all of these kind of things, if you look back, they actually come from things that happen in our childhood that can carry on into adulthood. And I'm sure it impacts on the kind of longer term relationship with your parents, right? Or your family, yes. if you feel that they're not hearing you and who you want to be and allowing that to happen. Yeah, and if you think about it, How often do we hear people say, I don't want to become like my father. I don't want to become like my mother. And very then, often. Very often, right? <laughs> and then you also sadly hear lots of people say, I don't have a good relationship with my parents or I don't have a relationship at all with my parents. Mm -hmm. And then in conscious parenting, we're trying to look back at what are the reasons for this disconnect. What happened in our own childhood that has caused this disconnection between like us and like our parents and also like us with ourselves and we're trying to fix it it's also about forgiveness some people they don't have good relationships with their parents and we need to like learn and understand why and therefore we can forgive because once we understand that our parents didn't know any better either then you yes. can open that door of forgiveness and say, look, it's actually okay because in the generation where you grew up, things were different. You didn't have the resources. You were also handed in that sense a parenting pattern from our grandparents, which was toxic and non-beneficial. Mm -hmm. And it's something that has been like basically just like pushed down for generations and generations and generations. And it just doesn't serve anymore in this time and era, I believe. Yeah, I think we have been fortunate in a lot of ways, you know, the time that we've had our children, because a lot of these new understandings in terms of, you know, the psychology and an understanding of the impact that we have on our children, adverse yeah. impact with the best intentions. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely a sense of gratitude that we have that understanding and can learn more. And, you know, even today I'm learning so much from you, Marissa, in <laughs> oh, terms thank of you. conscious parenting. <laughs> is there a large community of conscious parents in Singapore or is there, uh, you know, resources or like is it something that's really had an uptick here or are you kind of early adopter of conscious parenting in terms of the community here? I do have like uh, some friends who have like read into it as well and we often exchange our thoughts. Um, I know that there are like some workshops or like enrichment classes where parents can go with their children with like, you know, like a, it's a Montessori style enrichment play date. But at the same time, also that the parents like learn like in a way a little bit of like techniques on like how to regulate emotions. And Thanks to the internet, there's a huge yes. um, array of information that we can get. But one of the books, if anyone wants to read more into it, um, I would say the spokesperson for conscious parenting is like Dr. Shefali Sabari. And I did like her course also in conscious parenting, which helped me a lot. It helped me in that sense to, to be the best version of me that I can be for my child. It helped me to really also come to terms with things that happened in my childhood, to forgive my mother, to 
understand why my father is the way that he is, why my mother does the way that she did. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it gave me a lot of closure. It opened um, the way to forgiveness much easier. And um, let's say it helped me now to understand that certain things that I believe helped me, I want to pass on to my children, but it also made me realize that some patterns I don't want to like put my children through. Yes, yeah, completely. The other thing that we hear a lot about, or I've heard a lot about recently, is mm-hmm. this respectful parenting. Mm-hmm. It, is that just another iteration of conscious parenting or is it very different or do you know anything about respectful parenting? I think it all goes hand in hand into like the right direction like respectful parenting, gentle parenting, Mm. conscious parenting. It all goes into direction that we value children as little human beings. Back then just think about like generations back, children were supposed to be, I think there's even a saying, you know, when you're a child, you're just supposed to like sit there and be quiet, you know. Seen and not heard. Yes, you Mm. know, only spoke, uh, speak when you're spoken to. You're not allowed to have like your own opinion, things like that. And back then also, the traditional style of parenting is is very like from the top down. So when we talk to our children, or maybe you remember when their parents would like talk to you, they would always look down to you. So you always feel like you look up. And I think this modern day philosophies of parenting is like really about treating our children like little human beings. Like you come down to the level when you talk to them, you treat them with respect. You don't treat them like a lesser version of you, you treat them like their own authentic self. So I think it all goes into the same direction where empathy, kindness, and just having like a big heart is more important than discipline, fear, and anger. You don't come from a parenting point of view where you want to instill fear. You no. want, yeah. So I think like this is like where we're, we're going in that direction. Like I'm so happy that lots of people are more aware that raising a child is not just about, okay, I'm just going to try and do my job and just like kick them out when they're 18. You know, you really, once you read yourself into it and understand what happens in a child's brain, how important really this first six to eight years of a child's lives are and how the first view of themselves, how they view themselves in the world, how they think of themselves, what is a safe home to them. It really like, I've read into it and so many books, I just like started sobbing. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, now I finally understand the impact and the huge responsibility and also appreciation that I have for us being parents that we have given this opportunity to guide this little spirit into the world. And Mm. hopefully we all do our best in doing so. Absolutely. One question I have, you know, I have an eight and 10 year old. Yeah. (laughs) Most important years being six to eight for conscious parenting. But there's a lot of parents such as myself, which perhaps I didn't have the term conscious parenting, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the way in which I parent is, you know, falls within what you've been describing Mm -hmm. today. But for those parents that are listening and going, oh my goodness, this is something I should have done and I haven't, 
mm-hmm. kind of instilled this as yet or yeah. there's so many things I'd like to change or break the cycle of in terms of the way in which I'm parenting and become more of a conscious parent. Mm-hmm. Any tips for them? Is it too late if you have a 10-year-old? And It's never too late. So it's never too late. So conscious parenting is a journey that goes on day after day. So there's like no too late ever. Um, just circling back. So what I mean with like the most important years being yes. like six to eight, it's... Um, in terms of like brain development for like child, um, for a child's developmental stages and to basically psychology, you know, in psychology, we look back and we look at like, how does the brain develop in these stages? And like until to six to eight years, it's where the child makes or tries to like make a version of themselves. And then it develops like later the version of like, how is, what is me in the world? Right. Who am I within like my close social circle? And after that, you go like, who am I within the big world? So that's what I mean with like the most important years for like brain development. Right. So, <laughs> so there's still hope for us. Unconscious, <laughs> trying to be conscious parents. Yes. So for that, it's never too late. It's like one, it's this beautiful thing that you have like suddenly awareness, you know, I think every Every journey of change starts with suddenly being aware of things that you were blind to before. Suddenly being aware of, I can improve this. I want to have a better connection. I want to be a better parent. I just don't want to slide through days without talking to my children. We can fix this. We can turn this around. So for that, I think it's never too late. And it sounds silly, but you know, children really need their parents at all ages. And yes, I think it doesn't matter even if you're like 40 if, or like 30, 40. You, and if your parent comes to you and says like, hey, I'm sorry for this, you appreciate it because you go, thank you for finally seeing that that maybe was not okay. Mm. But lots of people feel like, oh, it's too late. I don't want to like open the Pandora's old, box of old emotional wounds. old yeah. wounds, you know. Mm. But if you look back, like people who who have problems or who have like childhood trauma, they live that every day and they think about these things every day. So it never gives them closure. So for any parent, any age or even any child, because we're all daughters and sons to someone, right? Mm. It's never too late to make a move and say, I'm sorry, let's change something, let's connect. Mm. Yeah, I really resonate with that. I think it never is too late to have peace and to find a path forward with your parents but also in terms of absolutely with our kids like we all make mistakes yes and that's there's true. always days where we're frustrated or there's things going on that you know and they're not our proudest parenting moments and yeah. we're all you know we're yeah. all susceptible to that we're human beings right yeah. please don't think just because like I'm a conscious parenting advocate that all my days with my children are rosy it's not like you walk into my house and it's quiet and zen not at all Parenting is just such a journey and every day is, you know, a fun, big surprise in a way. It can go great. It can be like one of these like devastating days. It can be frustrating, but it can be also like one of the most joyful and like happy days. But it is a journey. It's not over. It's not like from today to tomorrow, I'm not going to be a parent anymore. I'm going to be a parent until the day of my last breath in that sense even like in their adulthood I still want to be there for them right like for me one of the things that I 
fear the most is like when my children are like adults and they I don't have a good relationship with them. It scares me like because you love them and you care for them and I hope that I still can be part of their lives when they have grown up. And that's why it saddens me so often when I hear people say I don't have a good relationship with my parents. And then when we start talking and we start unearthing why they don't have good relationships with their parents, it's all about how they could not connect, how that from one day onwards there was just like a huge wall or expectations were not met. They could not fulfill what they wanted to be, frustrations, no communication. And from then on, it just went like downhill and just pathed ways. And that's, I find, something that is very scary. And I do think when when you're not yet a parent, it doesn't feel as devastating as when you are and you've got these little humans that just, I mean, you know, yeah. your girls are two and four, right? Yeah. So they're at that age where they just, their whole world is their mummy and their yeah. daddy and their couple of little friends maybe but really it's it's that family it is unit yeah and then for my two eight and ten we're kind of in those golden years where they they have a lot of friends mm -hmm. and they have their own pursuits yeah but they're still out we're still number one mm -hmm. the family unit is still number one but I can already see particularly Them. with my older son that he's getting that little bit older he's soon there's going to be that transition from my husband myself and Marcel being his world yeah. to his friends taking precedence yeah. and I need to be ready for that That's and I need to accept that change mm -hmm. and and embrace it for him because it's important for him to have those friendships to really form and become a teenager and then an adult, right? You need other relationships other than your mummy and your daddy and your brother yeah. and the thought that he wouldn't call me mm -hmm. or that if, you know, if he was in his 20s and he sees mum's number flash up and he's just like, oh, God, it's her, you know, like yeah. I would just, I just, I couldn't imagine that now. Yeah. And so I do think that the... You know, the whole philosophy around conscious parenting is really, I don't know if safeguard is the right word, but it really is kind of safeguarding that relationship. It's making you aware of the fact that you don't, it's not like a best friend thing, but it's having that understanding of, you know, they're a real person. Yeah. And even at eight, I'm learning things from my eight-year-old right? From his perspective, when we talk about world events and they come out with this whole different angle that you didn't even think just from the innocence of their mind. And you mm -hmm. go, wow, I've learned something from them. Absolutely. And that's only going to nurture the relationship because they go, well, mum values my opinion. Whereas if I said, oh, Marcel, you don't know anything because you're eight and mummy's exactly in her late 30s, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm actually, I've been quite inspired by your um, you know, by conscious parenting and, you know, the whole philosophy behind it and the, the psychology aspect. I mean, it's just, it, there's so much that we can learn. Changing tack just a little bit, but in terms of conscious parenting and mindfulness, mm -hmm. I know that you practice mindfulness yourself and mm -hmm. talk about that a lot. Uh, how important is it for us as parents, like we've spent a lot of this conversation focusing on, you know, how we parent and, and support and nurture our children, but a big part of the conscious parenting philosophy, of course, is this whole, you know, we need to look after ourselves, mm -hmm. we need to be happy, we need to be centred. And so how important is it to engage in self-reflection and mindfulness on a daily basis? To maybe visualise this, how important it is, it's remember when you go through the safety video in a plane and they say, please put your oxygen mask first and then your child's. 
Yes. Right? So it's not about being narcissistic and looking after one's first. But if you are not 100% at ease, how can you try to regulate your emotions of your child? So you need to look after yourself first because then you can be steady in a way to regulate yes. the emotions of your children. So I personally think it is very important to be in tune and try to be balanced as much as possible. Of course, I know days are all up and down and things happen. But if you are very well aware of your emotions and how to also like regulate your emotions, then it's much easier to get through these waves of craziness in the day. For me, it really started all with becoming a parent. Like I didn't practice before. It was not important to me. This is like back again that suddenly you have like other values and other priorities. Yeah. And um, looking at it, I realized that if I am not happy, how can I portray being happy to my children? My happiness and my calm needs to come from within. And one of the things that I realized is also we need to give value to all emotions. It's okay to be sad. And I also teach my children this. It's okay to be sad. It's okay mm. to be angry. You don't have to hide this. You know, you just need to know how to deal with these emotions. You need to be aware how to put a name to them, especially like because I have children who are younger. And I tell them, it's okay to cry. You can talk to me about anything. And this is um, something that I also maybe want to like share that it's important for boys also to learn it's okay to yes. cry it's okay to be gentle it's okay to feel sad it's okay to have all of these like emotions i think when we look especially in asia again but not just asia actually also australia i felt because you know Boys need to be tough. They need to not cry. They need to always be like happy yeah, I mean, and I powerful. Think it's around right? the world, there's so much of this pressure to be a certain type of man. Yes, and yeah. and a certain type of boy. Yeah. And it comes a lot from the older generation and not mine. And so I'll say, yeah. So if the boys are crying, I I I remember. I can't remember. I think it was. Uh, one of the kind of raising our boys type books, like a stupid yeah. awful. And it was, uh, you know, you, it's okay for boys to cry. Yeah. And it's, and it's something that we need to just allow them to be able to have those emotions because otherwise you bottle it up inside and it's going to come out in other ways, in aggression or tantrums. Exactly. Or, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. boys cry just as much as girls, right? It's exactly. Only, they probably don't cry as much. Men don't cry as much just because that's been ingrained in them that it's not okay. So see, this is like one of these like older generations, like parenting patterns and like parenting beliefs that have been like basically like handed down from generation to the next generation to the next generation where it's time now to basically break these patterns. It's time for the dads also to say, hey, it's okay to be compassionate. It's okay to be gentle. It's okay to be, to have empathy towards one another. You know, you don't have to go like full force with your head yes. through the wall in a way. So it's time for them. But it, for, for this pattern to break, you also need the parents now to have the awareness that, hey, it was not okay what my parents told me and forgive them for not knowing better in a way. Yes. So one of the very interesting, um, I, I've recently read a book and it was like, it, it was great because it focused on 
you know, what are female feelings or what are female characteristics? It's being empathetic, being gentle, being kind. And then like, what are the masculine ones? Oh, it's being powerful. It's, you know, showing strength. And it's like, this is like all just crap because it's all human (laughs) characteristics. You know, both genders have all of these feelings, have all of these emotions. It's not pink and blue, you know, it's everyone is allowed to feel everything and I think once we can instill this in our children to like give them the opportunity to say hey you don't have to be always happy you can be bored you know you can be angry you can be jealous so they know how to deal with these emotions and how to value these emotions too and once they know that they can regulate it but for them for you also to be able to talk your children through it you need to know it too so that means that we need to first go back in our own minds, in our own hearts, and our own souls to realize, can I do what I expect from my children? And most often, when we're angry at something, we're angry at the world, we're angry at work not being finished or something else, and we let this anger funnel through our children. You know, we speak to them louder, we're like harsher to them. So it's important for us to go like, hold on a second, I don't want my children to scream at me. I don't want my children to scream at other people. So I need to take the conscious pause and calm down first. It's hard. It is, but it's, and we're always going to make mistakes. Always, always. It's human. Just being able to stop yourself and say, do you know what? I'm going to take a time out. Yes. Just going to spend 15 minutes in my room Mm -hmm. doing some meditating. Yeah. Or, you know, everyone's got their own form of kind of de-stressing. Yeah. Maybe just reading a book. It might just be sitting in silence. A lot of the time, particularly when you have small children, (laughs) it's just having silence for a little bit that can be the reset that you need. Yeah. You're listening to the Honey Kids Podcast Growing Pains. I'm your host, Ange Neo. Did you know that over half a million mums and dads read Honey Kids every month? Amazing, but true. If you would like to know all the great things to do in Singapore, then you absolutely need to subscribe to our newsletter. It delivers the best of Singapore right into your inbox every week. One of the other things that, you know, we talk, there's a lot of benefits about you know, modern parenting mm-hmm. and and the awareness that we have now of, of certain concepts and the ways in which to raise our children. But there's also social media. Yeah. Which our parents didn't have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you found social media difficult as a mum and the constant comparisons? Yes. So the comparisons that we make, the comparisons that other people make. Yeah. How much of a role do you think it has in affecting our emotions, our self-esteem? Um, a lot. <laughs> so I'm kind of sitting on both sides because I do have a large following on social media. So in that sense, I do have the responsibility that I told myself that I'm trying to portray myself as honest and real as possible. So I don't want people to have a false impression and I don't want to send them down a track that I don't want to be on myself in a way. Right. So I'm trying to always, I always post without filters, you know, I'm not trying to like look skinnier than I am and things like that. No, I'm not face tuning. I didn't even know all of these filters existed until a long time. For the longest time, I thought, why is everyone so makeuped all the time? I didn't know it was a filter. So (laughs) this is like how behind I am with the whole like filter generation. 
I try to use my social media to share some information, to share about my daily lives and also to share the joy that my children are. I also realized that I limit my time scrolling like in my pandemic I call it like my pandemic breakdown in my pandemic blues when I didn't work I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life I would just like sit on the sofa when the children were in school the little one wasn't in school back then when she was like napping and I would just like you know this mindless scrolling you just like go through and you look like why is everyone doing something with their life why is everyone so beautiful why is this mom like super skinny after giving birth and here is me two months postpartum still looking like a little blob in my sweatpants you know yeah so it gives a wrong impression I think one thing that I hope people can slowly try to understand is that there's really no point in trying to compare your life to this one second glimpse that you have into someone else's because it's not true. We're not going to post our breakfast with our children where they're arguing or we're frustrated because they're not eating the healthy option Yeah. or the, you know, the amount of time it takes my children to put their shoes on in the morning <laughs> is that's the time I need to practice mindfulness. Let yes. me tell you, Marissa. Yeah, I think with social media in general, I honestly had to mute a lot of people that I know, like acquaintances from back then in my from Indonesia, like my working career, where I just feel like it didn't help me anymore to see their toxic traits, you know? Mm. So it's like things that, for example, I know if it's not true, it's not beneficial to me. It's like, why hurt yourself with things that are not beneficial to you so I didn't as friends I didn't maybe like want to like unfollow them and be like that kind of rude so there's a mute button and it helped me so much so people go like oh have you seen what this and this did oh no I think I muted her like a year ago and you know it was just not beneficial for me anymore and another thing that I do is like I allow myself to scroll for like five minutes And then I try to also like consciously tell myself, because now I have like friends and people that I admire. Sometimes you go, oh, that's really good for her, you know, instead of trying to go like, why is she like skinnier than me? Why? You know, it's like, good on her. She looks amazing. You know, just try to actively take a positive mindset. Change that mindset. Exactly. Why can't I be like that? Mm -hmm. I should aspire to that. And and instead to being like... They look like they're really happy. I'm happy for them. Exactly. So this is like one of the things that helps, I think, a lot. Once you understand you are just thinking the way you are. It's just your thoughts. You are in power to change your thoughts. You're in power to like change and from this, like you said, this negative mindset, just like spin it into a positive one and feel happy for other people. Be grateful about the life that you have because there's many other people who are struggling and we all know this, but we don't tell ourselves this often enough. So I guess when people want to start practicing mindfulness and go down this road, it's like you said, it's meditating might be for some people always like oh I need to sit like on a on the floor for like an hour it's not like you said you can just go five minutes take like deep breaths somewhere and get your nervous system back into like a regulatory like balanced mode you know yeah, breathing yeah. does actually help yeah. for sure counting your breaths in and out yeah. exactly so um yeah it's basically like when we're stressed when we're on fire and angry it's like our nervous system just going like okay I'm going to go into this like you know uh into this like stressful mode I'm going to be alert and aware and 
right, it's like right. this fight mm-hmm. or flight mode. Yes. And um, it's your whole body then reacting. So you need to basically calm yourself down through deep breaths or just taking space, just walking away from a situation that doesn't serve you. Uh, you did write an article on stress, actually. I did, yes. Uh, part of our new normal. Mm-hmm. I think it was, was it 92% of Singaporean yes. women are experiencing stress right now? Yeah. Do you think that stress is a fact of life for mums? Yes. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think stress in general has unfortunately become part of our new normal and it's not healthy. I think it's also part of our new normal because we weirdly pride ourselves of being stressed. I mean, try to ask people here in Singapore, are you busy? Are you stressed out? Of course I'm busy. I always have something to do, you know? And it's like 8 p.m. I'm still working. I'm so busy, lah, because like my boss needs this and this. It's not nice to be burned out and it's mm. not healthy to be burned out as well. And this simply comes from our body, you know, from our... When we're stressed, when we're like heightened, when we're like focused, you go... You're, 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 your energy resources are redirected to your brain. Your energy resources are like redirected to your sympathetic nervous system. You take like this like fight or flight mode and it gives you like elevated heart rate. It gives you like more focus, but it also deprives all your other organs of energy. So we need to have like a balance for your, for our parasympathetic nervous system, for our rest and digest organs and mode to have enough time to do exactly that rest and digest because we need that to be in a balanced form if not we're constantly out of sync and in the future it's just not beneficial and I think like one of the examples that I mentioned in the article it's like do you sometimes see people and ask them for their age and you go like why do you look so old you know it's stress because like that also just it makes it makes like muscles deprived of energy. It makes um, your skin duller because mm-hmm. simply our body, mind and soul is like all connected. So if we feel stressed, if our brain is constantly working and our restful organs don't get the energy that they need to do their job, we are going to slowly deteriorate quite technically, yes, from the inside out. I do think one of the things that you said that really resonated with me is this, you need to be stressed in terms of when someone says, how are you going? Yeah. I I do sometimes feel that we can't just say, do you know what? Yeah. I'm killing life at the moment. Yeah. Everything's great. I'm on top of my work. The kids are great. There does feel that we have to say we're busy yes. as well. Like, yeah. what are you doing this weekend? Actually, I've got no plans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not something that we say. We're like, oh, my gosh, I'm booked out for the next six weeks. I've got so much on. It feels like there's that pressure yeah. as more of a modern mum to yeah. not be able to just say, do you know what? Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. I'm on top of everything. I wonder why that is. I think um, it's it has become weirdly part of the culture it's false pride in constantly being working, constantly feeling you have something to do. And it's also because your surrounding suddenly does that. So you feel you have to be doing yes. that too, right? Because if I say, oh my gosh, she is like currently taking her PhD. She is like doing nine to five in the office and then like um, driving the kids to soccer and doing this. What am I doing? 
oh my god, I'm just actually on the sofa right now and watching like for half an hour a movie. I feel like this is wasted time. I need to do something else. You know, you give yourself that pressure suddenly because everyone else is always so busy and constantly doing things that you feel like, but I just want to take a breather. And you yeah. don't even allow yourself that anymore where it's exactly what you need. And There's a guilt associated with just saying, today I'm just going to yeah. sit and watch Netflix and I'm going to have my favorite lunch and then I might jump in the pool or go for a walk. Like, exactly. That's my day. And it's like, oh, are you on vacation? You yeah. know, in a way. And people do, in a way, like have these social beliefs that everyone needs to be something And then we forget to just listen to ourselves, listen to our bodies. Like one of the first things is our bodies are always trying to tell us something. You know, if you cannot sleep, if you cannot get like a good night, if you have, you know, if you have like back pain, if you have aches somewhere, it's your body talking to you. And it's for us to try and figure out, look, maybe I need to take a little time out and just give my body rest we mm. take lots of things i think for granted and one of the things is basically like our body and how it's trying to do all of these things for us but if we're not keeping in shape in shape i mean not just being skinny taking care of our body holistically from top yes. to down yeah. then it's like our shell that's like trying to like carry us through life so if we don't take care of it what kind of life can we have at the end And this is how we're just going to manage this burnout that so yes. many people have experienced or yeah. are experiencing. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it goes from the, yeah, always having to be busy to the guilt that's associated with just having a day yeah. that has nothing productive about it. Exactly. It's just a day. Yeah. So are there any other ways in which we can manage or spot or deter burnout? I think we need to be aware of that it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, we need to be aware of the signs, what it is, you know. How many people are struggling with anxiety? How many? many yeah. Mm. Uh, anxiety then constantly can form into like depression, can form into like not feeling self-worth, not feeling confidence. It's just an array of things that can come from feeling constantly stressed and having this burnout. And really it helps to be aware of it. And you need to have the strength to say, I need to do this for me. If mm. I'm going to burn out, then I cannot do anything else. Then I will have like so many like health problems in the future. You really set, you really tr need to say Saturdays and Sundays or like after 8 p.m. You need to set boundaries for yourself. Mm. And I think one of the things that helped me a lot is um, efficient time management. <laughs> It sounds so easy, but I realize for lots of people it's quite hard. So um, efficient time management simply to have a clear view on how to you efficiently and can optimize the time in your day so it's not wasted. How can you reach like full productivity so that at 5 p.m. you can clock you're off done. and right. you're done. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that you need to carry into the weekend. There's nothing that you need to carry into your evenings, your quality time with your children. And this was one of the huge things that made me realize that I don't want to waste my time just being kind of there and spending time with my children, but thinking about other things. When I'm with mm -hmm. my children, I want to be there. 
I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to think about emails. I want to sit there. I want to look at them and I want to see the world through their eyes. I want to feel that joy of like quality time. And if you do that just for half an hour or an hour, you see that joy also come back for them. There's like, thank you for being here with me, mommy. Thank you for playing with me. And it's that little joy that you can give them, which is for me basically like just worth the world. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the burning question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no pressure, Marissa. Yes, yes. But, you know, we've talked about conscious parenting, mm -hmm. about the stress that we're kind of living with, dealing with, yeah. the pressures on women and mm -hmm. um, being a modern parent. And, yeah. you know, there's positives to that. But social media and kind of the, I guess, the pressure of the world and the way in which women are, you know, we have a lot of different things that we're trying to do all yeah. at once. The question is, can we have it all? Yes, I think we can. How? <laughs> <laughs> how? I think how to have it all is to find a purpose in your life that you truly are passionate about. So you're not wasting your time being something that you're not or working on something that you don't want to do. So that makes the time that you spend with your work or your career, it makes it joyful and that you're passionate about something. Um, then another thing is to be really appreciative of time and really set it in a way that it benefits you. I think there's lots of pressures. There's also social pressures, right? Where you yeah. feel, ah, oh, the girlfriends are hanging out, but you know, you maybe want to go, but you know that you should not. Then there's also like group of friends where you feel like I really don't have to go and I really don't want to go. But then you feel like it's a social pressure that you have to go. So it is a fine line, but I think it's possible. I think it's all about really having a true balance between work, life and family and to give everything um, a priority in their own time like when you're with your family it's really time to spend time with family when you're at work you really do like deep and focused work when you have time for yourself you really take the time for yourself don't have a massage and do emails at the same time you know really try and separate it and make the best out of all yeah I'm really going to take away the be present part because yeah. I do think there are so many times when you're with your children and the phone rings or you're like, oh, I've just got to check on that work thing that yes. it's due tomorrow, but you really, nothing was going to fall apart That's if right. you just didn't check it for an hour. That's right. And yeah. you do find, I mean, there's reasons why there's algorithms that make you addicted to your phone. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think for me, it's the being present in the moment and you could have 20 minutes that mm. are incredible with your kids yeah. and then go and do the work for 40 minutes rather than sit there for an hour just looking at your phone, yes, kids, you know, like, that's and right. having that kind of interaction. Yeah, so that's exactly like my approach. And I think it helps just a lot if you say, and like you said, that you think, oh, this email is urgent. It's not. It can wait one, two, three hours. So what I do really with my time is I block my times. I say like, okay, there's like my times where I put the kids in school and then I have like four hours that are fully for me. One hour I do work, one hour I do something else, one hour I do errands and I've really scheduled my time before I like start my day to really not lose precious time mm. and that I can have it all done and say, 
Look, I can't pick up my children now. And we don't see them that much. They go to school, they come home, they have homework, and then suddenly you put them to bed. So it's really only that little time of the day that you have with them. Mm. And I don't want to waste it and doing something else because they grow up so fast and suddenly you send them off and they live their own lives. I mean, like, yours are, like, approaching slowly the teenager years it's coming, where it's things will yeah. be, like, more important, friends oh, and yes, other activities. Oh, yes, their weekends won't be like, what are we doing as a family? It'll be like, Mom, I'm going to the movies and a sleepover. I'll see you on Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> so it's the time that it's, like, so precious. Mm. And we don't – we want to be there. We want – we should – be present like you said we should really just inhale all of these little seconds that we have with them completely uh marissa i have three questions that i love to ask all the guests so you're in the hot seat Mm -hmm. uh the first one is what is the worst parenting moment that you can remember Worst parenting moments would be like if I let my ego overtake me and I would unleash my emotions on my children, you know, raise my voice. And I know this happens all the time. I think the funny moments would be like when when they fall out of bed <laughs> and you just hear like, dum, dum. and I was like, oops, okay, it's probably not so beneficial. Um, yeah, I think that. Um, but my children are two and four, so I have not really experienced... Um, crazy moments yet yeah. I'm looking forward any to lows? any lows any time <clears throat> that was like a really hard time in parenting for you just in terms oh, yes. of what the girls were going through um, no I think it was in general it was last year it was last year I was in Germany um, and my husband was so I was in Germany at like my childhood home with my father so my mother had passed away already so she was not there and I had the two girls and my husband was um, in another town working for a week and I realized that I was just doing laundry I was just doing groceries and I was just cooking and cleaning up and all of that and doing laundry over and over again and I just had I think 28 single socks and I could not find their respective friends and I just took a photo of it and I was like look at this cemetery of socks where are the partners to it you know I just had on the table constantly my cemetery of socks looking for their respective partners and I did not find it I sent it to all my friends you know do you have one of my socks do you have like this girl's socks or this girl's socks and it was quite funny yeah in the end growing up we used to have I kid you not, a laundry basket yeah. full of socks. Yeah. And every now and then mum would be like, sit in front of the TV and try and find a pair. Exactly. We never did. It was always a whole laundry basket full of odd socks. Yeah. Just so, hilarious. Yeah, for weeks the girls have been just running, okay, one was a strawberry sock, the other one was a unicorn sock. Nothing was matching. I was like, I didn't care anymore. But this was also like my breaking point where I realised, okay, it's time to do something else. I need to basically turn my brain on. I cannot do socks for the rest of my life. We need more in life than odd socks. That's true. Finding. (laughs) Uh, What about your best parenting moment? What has been a high or something that you just remember as, wow, like this is is it? I think my best parenting moments are simply when my children say, I miss you, mommy, or I love you, mommy. Mm -hmm. And also because now my girls are two and four, it's um, also when they're, they're there for each other. They, yes. Like, you know, toddlers, you know, they're either the best enemies or they're like the best friends. But when they are the best friends, then it's something that just warms my heart so oh, it's much. Magic. It is. It's magic. And just a couple of days ago, like, my, my four-year-old was like, 
Ali, you're my best friend and we will always be a team. And I'm like, oh, you know, and feel like, okay, they're on the right track. Yeah, I'm doing something right for now. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what is the thing we all, I mean, there's many things, mm-hmm. but what is, what is one of the things that you wish you knew before you became a parent? That after giving birth, there's a whole lot of like postpartum stuff happening to you. I wish like it was, yes. I think everyone talked about pregnancy and how beautiful pregnancy is, which is true. But then I think there's not enough talking about the recovery after mm. giving birth, that how your body will change, um, your aches and how difficult it will be just walking to the bathroom. Things like this, I think, have not been highly advertised. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think it was quite interesting to um, experience that and really not knowing. And I think also something uh, that I realized is there's a lot of talk about pregnancy, but in a way, w- when it comes to parenting, it's a little bit you do you, you know, it's not, it's not that there's like a guide of like zero to three months. It's like this and this. You just basically like the guide is how to not kill your children in a way, how to keep them alive, (laughs) but like how to emotionally also invest into them. I think that's like a little bit like missing the conversation around that. That's why I was kind of glad that um, I found conscious parenting and just yeah. helped me to understand a little bit. And I think one of the quotes that I loved from the book so much was, um, which opened my eyes, is that our children, that they don't belong to us, but that they belong with us. So they're not our mini-me's that we're trying to create. We're there to create and to guide them becoming themselves instead Mm. of a little version of ourselves. Yeah, we're caretakers in their lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marissa, this has been such a wonderful conversation today. Uh, I'm definitely going to leave here today a more conscious parent. Uh, Thanks. But also, (laughs) I'm going to think this week, and maybe this is a challenge to our listeners as Mm -hmm. well, what is one thing that I'm going to do for myself Mm -hmm. that is going to allow me to alleviate that stress or put to one side the guilt of taking this time and just do one thing for ourselves this week that will definitely make us better conscious parents and make us just happier women and human beings at the same time. So thank you, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Growing Pains. Thank you to Marissa for an inspiring chat on conscious parenting. I am now joined by our Honey Kids editor, Kate, to chat to us a little about what else we can find on our site. Thanks, Ange. Hi, everyone. I'm Kate. Yes, we've got plenty more where that came from on our site. So from talking about the latest trend, gender-neutral parenting, to finding out all about how Singapore is tackling gender stereotypes through activities like girls' rugby. We've also got Jill Lim, so DJ from KISS92, and she's discussing the statement, should kids be seen and not heard? And if you want to get the inside scoop on our latest interviews before anyone else, you can head on over to the Honey Kids Asia site and sign up for our newsletter to receive all this and more. We'll also be sharing the latest school news, giveaways and free events for you to attend. 
Thanks, Kate. We will make sure that all of the links are in the show notes to all the wonderful articles and content on our site. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, everyone. And I'll see you next time.